five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA, and we're going to be talking about direct mail testing today. But first, we're going to talk about brand building versus activity generating. I'm giving up smoke. I know what you're thinking. Snoop, smoke is kind of your whole thing. But I'm done with it. Done with the coughing and my clothes smelling all sticky icky. I'm going smokeless. Solo stove fixed fire. They took out the smoke. Clever. <laughs> okay, and there we go. Okay, so now we'll get over to the article. And Solo Stove and Snoop Dogg, a once lauded partnership, now up in smoke. Less than two months ago, Solo Stove embarked on what was widely heralded as genius, a genius marketing campaign. Always watch out for those, right? And this is one of the challenges of creativity, right? The brand partnered with legendary rapper Snoop Dogg to use his not-so-secret affinity with cannabis to trick the world into thinking he'd given up smoke, only to reveal that his partnership with Solo Stove to promote their smokeless, uh, their smokeless fire pits. A masterpiece in viral marketing, people said. Ad Age listed it as number 18 on its top 40 ads of... 2023 okay so it made the top of the top ads right and if you google ad ad age on or whatever search for me in ad age you'll see my number one post which is why i don't subscribe to ad age and it's precisely this <laughs> because they don't know anything about about response marketing they had had 13 articles in the last 29 years or something like that and uh yeah they just don't get it but anyway solo stove they thought it was really good then ceo john maris said on his linkedin at the time this will go down as one of the best snoop dogg is incredible to work with and we found the perfect co collaboration between the two brands you know i think it's actually pretty clever if you ask me now there's a couple of problems with it right one is is <laughs> is Stoop, Snoop Dogg's market your market, right? I mean, presumably, you, you can't put this out on your balcony in an apartment. My guess, just a guess. I watched a couple of reviews, and the thing, even the little one puts out a two-foot-high or, or so flame. I imagine you can get, you know, you could get, a lot of things on fire accidentally especially if you had like vinyl siding or something and uh a, a, a little balcony or light yourself on fire um i would i would definitely have a bucket of water handy <laughs> if you're in tight quarters um you know i just don't think so i think uh, uh you know there was a time when i sampled some of these some of this sort of smoke long long 50 years ago now uh, without any sampling <laughs> 50 years but when I was sampling I did not own a house right I did not own a place I could put a solo stove just flat out period I didn't go camping that much 
uh, it was not my market. So as, as clever as this is, as brilliantly clever as it is, it's not, probably it's not a good fit with the Snoop Dogg fan base and the solo stove demographic, my guess. And that's something you always want to think about, right? You always want to think about. Uh, so anyway, uh, John Maris is now out of a job, according to Solo Stove Interim CFO Andrea Tarbox. And that's telling right there. Who makes the announcement? The CFO, the Chief Financial Officer, even Interim, but you know. Uh, because they really are watching the numbers, and that's their job. Every ship, Karen from, or Sharon from Cabela's used to say, every ship needs a sail, and it also needs an anchor. I watch a lot of sailing channels, and an anchor might be more important than a sail, depending on what weather you're in and where you're where you're trying to, to to land. The campaign raised brand awareness, but did not lead to the sales lift they had planned. Was this a case of poorly spent marketing budget or unrealistic ROI expectations? Solo brands had a great product fit for those of us stuck at home. It has net sales, not always sure what net sales are. That might be gross margin if it's profit, uh, which sometimes it is used to mean that's really good. Um, but uh, it's only up 2.8%, but still challenging year. Um, and, and the last nine months, their main sales come in the fourth quarter, according to this article. Until recently, Solo Stove had been a direct response focused business, uh, working in measurable marketing channels. And, and they grew 60,000 Instagram followers, 30 million engagements, whatever that is. They also generated billions in earned media impressions and got coverage from mainstream media outlets like CNN. Awareness? Check. But... CFO's comments suggested that um, 35 to 40% of their sales come in fourth quarter, and they ran the campaign with only a month left, and that their product is $200 to $400, um, and so it's a considered purchase, not a buy now click. Um, so if you looked at sales lift, you, probably the awareness was completely flawed. Um, it's only been two months, so you can't really tell if it generated awareness or not. I had never heard of Solo Stove, so I, I was, you know, it got my attention, and maybe we need one of those. Um, we don't know the internal conversations that took place. Uh, Snoop Dogg probably charged mid-seven figures, so five million bucks or something. Millions of people, he sh they should have paid him on a on a sales incentive, and maybe they did, and maybe that's why they canceled it, you know, sometimes. Sometimes there's more going on behind the scenes than you know. Uh, millions of people who had no idea what the brand was now do. And I read reviews of it, and people really do like it. Um, probably the stalled growth was Maris's reason for losing his job. That's always a measure of CEO performance, almost always. And But what they probably should have done is, along with the TV awareness, and social media awareness, they probably should have done mail. This is a perfect product for mail. 
um, I think of the uh, DR trimmer, you know, the, the thing for, for homeowners, and their list is available usually, uh, for homeowners to trim their worst nightmares of yard work. Um, fairly expensive, more than this, and um, so it would indicate you had a yard, and you need to tell the story. My guess is that their sales, their sales stagnancy has more to do with uh, reviews I saw of knockoffs at Walmart, where their product is $120 to $400, and the Walmart product is $40 to $100. Okay, so Walmart's selling a, a, a similar product. Uh, wood gasification stove for a third the price, which is really your problem. Because I'd, if I were going to test one, I'd probably test that one. And you can still get a two-year warranty for an extra $10. So um, so stick to direct mail. You would probably not alert Walmart to the issues, and you'd be better off. So let's get over to how to Test Your Direct Mail Campaigns by Mike Gunderson. And this is one of the best articles I've seen. It's certainly the best of 2024. And it's one of the best of 2023. Um, however, of course, as usual, my theoretical base, you know, I have the first ever uh, academically reviewed definition of direct marketing, and it basically focused on testing. Testing is the best way, Mike writes, to improve direct mail campaigns and their outcomes. We share the best methodologies with this. Okay, it's always to look for ways to improve their campaign and their output, and the best ways to do that is through testing. Okay, um, and I would say that that's right. That's, that's right, but it, it doesn't really get you all of the reason for testing. And what isn't as clear you know, for me, testing is to find the important variables. It's to, it's to find the knobs that you can turn that make a difference in your mailing. Okay? And it's the scientific method. And why do we want to find those? Well, we want to find those, those causal factors, be it the list or the offer or the camp or the creative. We want to find those causal factors so that if stale, sales stagnate, may stagnate, maybe there's... There's ways we can zoom in on that, right? Or we can really improve the areas that matter most. But it's really about predicting the future. You know, everybody talks about predictive modeling, and it's really basically a lie. And Mike is not talking about this. I'm not talking about Mike. I'm talking about the whole rest of the world that says, oh, we'll do predictive modeling. We'll look at your best customers and find more like them. It's not so simple, right? Because your best customers look a lot like your regular customers or your, or your bad customers, <laughs> geodemographically, by probably dozens and dozens of variables, they look very similar. But what's the key? What are the key variables? And that's where testing can do what nothing else can do, right? And so uh, that's why it's an ongoing process, because it's a dynamic marketplace. But it allows you to, to hear from the market, rather than like, like a solo stove, you basically said, oh, smoke will trade on... Snoop Dogg's connection with smoke and make it look like he's giving up smoking and and going into our stove and you know it's all very 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 clever right and funny kind of funny but um but if you turn the sound off you really have no idea what he's talking what what's going on and that's the real key 
you know, you'd be better off probably showing a, a fire pit and all the smoke going in everybody's eyes. And then this product completely fixing that problem, which the reviews said it really, really does. Okay. And that's the way a direct marketer might think of it. But we could have tested that. We could have tested those offers before we went on a full-blown social media $10 million campaign or something like that. We got brand awareness, but we didn't get the benefit awareness. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Okay? Nowhere in that, in that commercial is it clear that an ordinary fire pit would have mountains of smoke <laughs> getting in your eyes. You'd be better off playing smoke gets in your eyes and then, and then explaining it. And direct mail could do that for you. It could tell that story, right? And with this kind of sales, direct sales, you have a perfect way to communicate with your buyers and with your, your similar audience. And I would say homeowners would be the first place I would look, okay? Uh, so marketers should always look for ways to improve their campaigns and their outcomes. Puts, but you always want to know why it, why it failed also. Why it failed is almost more important than why it succeeded. It's very, very difficult to figure out why things are working, but it's very, it's much easier to find out why they didn't work with testing. So top, top marketers understand that testing is a never one and done because there's, with every good answer, there's two more questions, right? Sometimes testing merely confirms what you already know, but often it can reveal outcomes that have gone against your gut instincts, right? Or previous personal experience. That's where you really learn. You really learn. And that's also where you find untapped markets, you know, where you find something that worked over here that you never expected. Okay, so how do you, how do you uncover these, right? Well, one thing is tracking measures. Did you lose money? Was the response rate high? Get your conversions low. There's all kinds of, you can learn from the numbers, okay? But of course, that doesn't really tell you what's going on unless you have a control piece. But Mike, good old Mike, he puts this in here, which almost no one else does. Unless you have a control, you don't know if it was just, you know, a bad day, a big news flash happened and people just didn't respond. You know, I remember 9-11, on 9-11, uh, my artist client sent everybody home because the phones just completely stopped ringing. The artists were devastated. On the other hand, Baseball Express <laughs> had, a, had a banner day. People wanted to get away from the news. You know, they wanted to think about baseball and sports and other things. Okay. So control doesn't necessarily have to have a proven track record, but it allows you to test it to compare previous mailings with the same exact mailer best you can and then you can see the outcomes and changes in the economics of or the news of the day or or whatever else might have affected it right um so the a b split is the classic right you take two packages that differ in one of these ways um and of course lists is probably yeah or the same mailer to different lists and uh, Mike will get to that in a little bit more. So one, one version should be your control and the other is your variant. And as, I, as he says, mainly that's something with a proven track record so that you can compare slightly across time. You know, when I was running circulation for a multi-million dollar catalog company, about a $10 million catalog company, 
we would actually adjust the, the list results uh, and compare the overall performance. So depending on the seasonality, depending on other factors that we didn't even know, uh, if it was a bad mailing and the and the list was a better was one of the better lists, you know, we would multiply by let's say 110 percent multiply. We would normalize the results through time, and that's one of the reasons that you keep a control piece constant for a while. And then as another piece beats or another offer or another creative beats the control, you go further with that. I I doubt that uh, Solo Stove had this had this discipline right so offer one offer two you don't have to split them equally that's one of the things i learned over time if you really really believe in a new offer you know like like we had this 600,000 piece test where where we, we you know we we knew that one of them was going to win because people would tell us oh i didn't understand what your catalog was about and so we changed that on just the cover on a 600,000 piece test and got a 40% lift Okay, compared to the control. What I should have done is mail uh, a 10% or a 20% mail the control and mail 80% because I felt so strongly about it. We actually lost margin. We lost profit that we could have had if I would have had the strength of my convictions to bet on the new piece. But, it, you know, it takes a lot of guts. But you can do that. So you don't have to make these equal. You just have to make them statistically valid. So you could say, well, I'm going to mail 20,000 of offer one, which is the control, and I'm going to mail 130,000 of offer two, which is the new piece that I think is going to be a home run. Of course, you could be wrong. Talk it over with your CFO. <laughs> That's what I would say. Now, you can also test other things, and this is, you know, we basically always structured this way. We had package A, we had package B. We may not have offer one, offer two. You know, this is a three-dimensional test, but we would definitely have package A, package B. We'd always test something, ch change something in the in the in the offer or the inkjet message or something, and then we would have multiple lists. And these could be segments of your house file, just to keep an eye on what's going on. But they could also be rented lists. And I see more and more people are getting back into rented lists. And not only the co-op lists, but actually negotiating with publishers and things and renting the lists directly. Okay, so uh, there will be times when you have to retest, absolutely. Uh, especially if it goes against what you thought, right? Because it might have been something. You know, in B2B, you... you in in a 12,500 12, piece offer, you might get one order for $20,000 or something or $50,000. Uh, George Mosier said, you know, it might not be statistically valid that that list won because of that one big offer. But where there's one, there might be two. So I give that list credit anyway. You know, some some statistician types will pull that order out and say, oh, that was an anomaly. That was not statistically in our, you know, in our distribution. No, I give it credit. And uh, maybe it'll happen again, right? Something like that. But that's the kind of thing you want to retest. So excellent, excellent article by Mike. And the only thing I would, would have added maybe was why. Why we test. And that's to uncover the causal connections between what we do and what happens. And that's the magic of direct marketing. Have a great day. Like and share. Repost. It's worth 20 likes. Your friends will know you're really, really smart.
Bye-bye.